Hello and welcome to the Formula Scout podcast. Tonight, myself, Ida Wood and Bethany Waring will be discussing some of the goings-on from pre-season testing for Formula 2, FIA Formula 3 and W Series. But first of all, the horrifying war that's taking place in Ukraine has presented issues for drivers across motorsport a matter of weeks before many of their seasons are set to get underway. This not least affects Russian and Belarusian drivers, many of whom have had their primary state-backed sponsorship affected by sanctions brought on from many countries around the world, but also due to restriction brought in by the FIA as a result, with pressure brought on by the International Olympic Committee. This is affecting the majority of sports in different ways, motorsport obviously included. Russian or Belarusian licensed teams and drivers will not be permitted to take part in competition outside of those countries. They they must race under a neutral FIA flag, but can only do so under strict media and social media guidelines. National teams at, say, the FIA Motorsport Games are not permitted. Bodies in Finland, Germany, Sweden and, and the UK have all imposed a blanket ban on drivers from those regions taking part in those countries, notably affecting the British Grand Prix and its support races, although among the many unclear things at this time is whether the FIA will overrule such judgment. Ultimately, drivers, including several in championships that we cover, may or may not be permitted to continue with their respective programmes this year or in the future. No drivers have or have not announced anything regarding this as yet, but it is a very fluid situation that's evolving hourly. There'll be more on our website and socials as we get it, as always. So I suppose we we should probably start talking about why we're here this evening, and that is to talk about pre-season testing instead. So both Formula 2 and FIA Formula 3 were in action uh, in a sandy Bahrain this week, whilst W Series headed to sunny Barcelona. Both had three days of um, on-track running, and while we can never draw too many conclusions from testing, um, it's always fun to to have a go anyway. So um, I suppose we should probably kick off with talking about Formula 2 first. Um, certainly uh, certainly disrupted a little bit towards the end as um, it was uh, sanded off, um, which is uh, not always ideal. Um, so the champion, well, so the picture was um, just as unclear as what the, uh, the track was, if you will. So, uh, and that's the last of my terrible puns for, for the evening. But it did seem like um, either the Carlin, as you would expect, would be um, right up there, MP Motorsport, as uh, you predicted um, in our podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, they're certainly up there as well. High Tech was um, pretty quick. And of course, you can never count out Prema either. So really, were you able to, to, to draw too many conclusions from um, the, the, the short run pace, really? Yeah, I, I think um, with the single lap pace, what you see on the timesheet is a pretty reliable um, indicator of what you're going to see at the first round in Bahrain. Um, particularly in the fact that I think the DRS usage, although it's free, you can literally use it anywhere during testing. Most of the drivers and teams actually stuck to only using it in the permitted zones you would on a race weekend and when they were behind another car. So hopefully you don't have any drivers with like ridiculously high straight line speed because they'd used it um, everywhere and, you know, in a huge train. So that should be fairly accurate. And I think in some of the sessions, because obviously the track rubbed in through through the week, um, so it got faster and it got colder at night and that meant uh, the engine basically 
uh, performance more efficiently as well. So lap times are faster then. But at those points, you actually had teams focusing more on long run pace. Um, so you have basically your fastest lap time set when the track wasn't at its most representative and then kind of the opposite when the track is at its most representative. So you've basically really got to look at the driver comments as much as lap times. And it certainly seemed like you said, Carlin looked very quick, Liam Lawson, uh, even I think, uh, was it Richard for sure tweeted that Liam Lawson needed to slow down. Um, so he looks pretty confident out there. Um, and definitely the two MP motorsport drivers as well. They looked very, very quick and on long run pace as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Of course. Uh, I, I said I was only going to get that one pun in, but um, I've already broken that promise. Whoops. Um, anyway, turning to, to you, Bethany, it's been a, been a little while since we've had you on on the podcast, um, I think. So um, you've been able to keep an eye on on testing as well um, throughout the past few days. Um, I, I was only able really to, to keep an eye on, on the first day of action, but um, so I'm, I'm catching up a little bit myself. But um, what, what conclusions do you think that you, you've taken away from, from the Formula 2 running? Oh, well, as soon as I make conclusions, things go, things go wrong. So I'm not going to make any conclusions, but I, I, I reiterate what I just said in that Leon Lawson looks very quick. Carlin looks very quick, but I, I think... I think we should all be cautious about reading too much into it. Um, I think we we had a lot of red flags, which I wasn't expecting quite as many red flags as we did. I imagine some of them were very, very quick. And I, I, I think they opted to just go straight to red when a yellow flag under normal circumstances would have done. They just went straight to red because nobody really wanted to be running at yellow flag pace basically but uh, it does raise concerns about whether reliability is still going to be an issue this year or if the formula 2 has finally got on top of that hopefully it's the latter because these drivers do not need more issues on top of everything else they're going to be dealing with this year and trying to just get their career under control yeah certainly and um uh, one thing I, I, I did sort of notice, um, you know, just flicking through the, the timesheets was that uh, I'm pretty sure all of the all of the teams took their turns like t towards the, the top of the timesheets. Um, Formula 2 is, is incredibly close, really, um, and, and different teams would have been running different programs at various points throughout the weekend. Um, I remember Trevor Carlin saying on, on Wednesday that... Um, his cars hadn't been out on the um, on the softer tire um, or softer compound um, tire yet, whereas some of the other teams had done a bit more of a, a glory run, if you will, in, in the early running. Um, so sometimes you, you do have to take some of the the um, timesheets with a bit of a bit of a grain of salt. Um, but oh, and and in particular with the. The, the final session on on Friday being totally cancelled due to due to sand um, and a sandstorm, uh, meaning poor visibility, um, which certainly less than ideal, particularly for for, for the complete rookies. Um, but Ida, when it when it comes to sort of like uh, you've already touched on it a little bit, but like long run pace um, it is very important in in Formula Two, um, and you know some of the teams that while they weren't well while they did feature sort of towards the front at various points never featured necessarily right at the top all that frequently 
um, the likes of um, Premer, who have been notoriously good in, in long run pace in, in recent years, but also ART. Um, I, 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 I noticed they were sort of hovering towards the, the lower reaches of the top 10 more regularly than they were towards the top end. Um, do you think that they perhaps focused a little bit on a bit more on on that kind of pace, or do you think that um, all of the, the teams may have run so like similar similar strategies when it comes to preseason testing, or do you think that um, you know some of them would have tried tried you know completely different things, such as for example Van Amersfoort um, in their very first season? Yeah, well, I think Van Amersfoort racing would have try to go for as diverse a strategy as possible because they haven't got that experience uh, with it being their debut season. Um, but generally, all of the teams roughly kind of did the same thing, I think, on day two, because there's an updated rear tyre compound, I think, in F2, or at least there's some kind of updates of the tyres. So there is a different thing to last year uh, to work on. And Bahrain's actually a very, very good track to test that because you've got uh, basically a track which is a very high abrasion high abrasive surface um, and also a lot of corners where essentially if you are on the throttle either on turn and or even on exit you're going to destroy those tires so it's very good to you know in a short amount of time figure out the limit of the tires figure out what the driver is doing wrong in the car etc etc on those uh, times of remarks and i'm not quite sure how many tires um, or how many sets of tires they had but with that final uh, session being cancelled Hopefully they hadn't saved the best tyres, or you could say, until last, because you don't know how much running you're going to get with all these red flags. So I expect a lot of the teams would have put the most important strategies, um, kind of day day two, morning and evening, um, just in case any madness happened in day three. And then day one is a lot of bedding in. Some drivers even do their seat fits on the morning of turning up to the track on the first day. So it's not as fully like planned. Not everything's in stone when you get there on the Wednesday. Um, day one and then Thursday is where we saw the action so when I digest all the long run data hopefully that's where the, the things that do stand out are going to be in, in those two sessions. Yep and uh, once you once you digest all that data I'm looking forward to seeing your, your predictions and um, uh, the totally crazy suggestion that doesn't happen at all um, for, for, for your champion this year um, as is traditionally the case and then Bethany just goes it'll be this person and um gets it totally right um famously back in 2020 um but yes um i i certainly think it quite a, quite an interesting um run i did get a chance to speak to, to some of the team principals on on the wednesday but um i, I did ben i did ask about the tires but it was just too early in the in the week for them to really give a, a concrete answer but um they don't expect the, the pecking order to change drastically as a result um, of that. So um, it, it does seem like it is just going to be a case of building on what all of the teams already know from, from the previous years and then seeing just who makes uh, the biggest steps forward in, in various cases in terms of um, with their driver lineup or just getting better out of the car, you know, with, um, with hires that they've made um, so forth throughout the, throughout the winter. So, don't expect like a totally radical shift in the uh in the pecking order as such for for this year i think is the uh, is the main takeaway from from testing this uh this time around um you know it's not going to be quite like formula one where the where the 
changed literally everything basically on the card this year. Um, but I would say that um, just it's just going to be a case of um, developing more and more on on what all of the teams already knew um, from from the previous two years. Um, and well, in the case of the chassis and and so forth, um, a, a few more years as well. So. I suppose we'll close off um, Formula 2, Ida, um, with really saying, really asking, was there any any driver or team that particularly surprised you from from, from testing? Uh, well, not sure. But for good or for bad, there, there could be a few candidates. I think with the red flags, you had some drivers who looked like they might have been doing something impressive on the long run, and then it ends after six laps, and you, you don't know... You know if those next four laps or next six laps are going to be any good um and i do think a lot of those red flags were not necessarily driver error or, or not like crashes a lot of them were um gearboxes engines and we'll discuss a bit more about that later um i think for good i would say lawson because you've got a fair few red bull juniors there so yuri vips wasn't in the red bull livery um and there's almost like a pressure now that he proved everything he could do last year. And he really, he's got to win the title this year to be at the front of the Rebel Q still. Um, so I think that was a good kind of mental marker to put over the opposition to, uh, topping testing. And then for bad, I would potentially say Porsche. I think ARTGP does have a strong package. We actually saw it very, very clearly at Bahrain last year with Lundgaard just missing out on pole. Porsche looking very good in qualifying as well. Um, and in the races, both of them had very good pace on the softer compound, I think. So ARTGP does have potential, and it doesn't look like they've had it in testing this week. So that could be a story to watch, and potentially drivers not up to scratch over winter. Mm -hmm. uh, and Bethany, have you got any anyone that really stood out for you in a good or bad way from from F two testing? Um there's no nothing no, nobody major uh, other than like the main headline of dips lawson i must say i didn't pay as much attention at, at the bottom end as as i as i would but if if i does right and if Porcher doesn't doesn't appear at the front of the order at least in monaco then like that's that's like an entire two years down the drain but no it's I, I think it's still too early to look into it and I'll probably be saying that halfway through the season so I won't make a prediction just yet mm -hmm. well, well we'll leave predictions for the um for the preview podcast anyway in a in a week or two so moving swiftly on from from Formula 2 we'll go to FIA Formula 3 which also was in action at Bahrain um just as just as Formula 2 was um it too had a bit of um uh disruption due to due to sandstorms and so forth on the on the final day and with 30 cars and uh, loads and loads of um teams and so forth um it, was a little, it might be a little bit trickier to, to necessarily um paint a, a clearer picture from from what was going on but certainly um Bethany I'll probably come to you first but the, the indication that I seemed to get was that um, Isaac Hajar was in particular um, one to, to watch in, in terms of picking up the, the, the headline-grabbing times. Yeah, he did. I think it was a bit more spread out in, in Formula 3, though, compared to Formula 2. Like just, just looking at who was top of the order in every session, it was more... There, there did seem to be more 
like at, towards the front of the order but but then there there, there were 30 odd drivers so what what what, what can you expect but Isaac Hadjar is was definitely top top the times on more than one occasion and I think he was the fastest kind of overall as well in the final day um certainly in the afternoon they didn't get close to close to where he where where he was in the morning but there were also some there were there were some drivers further down the order who uh, uh, further down the order overall who showed pace like early on we we saw Maloney early on go quick quite quick but then and he made he would often appear towards the top of the order but then kind of drop down as more people did their quick times so it's it's going to be it's that it looked closer than Formula Two was just from a from a having scratched the surface watching it compared to what some of you guys did. Yeah, um, I'm I'm inclined to agree. It did, while it did sort of seem like from from the the running that I caught in particular that it, um, you know, the the Trident Trio were were all very very quick at various points throughout the throughout the sessions obviously you can never count out prema um in in any capacity uh, especially at this level um but it did seem like you know you did have um the likes of high tech and art um were able to to really sort of get themselves into the mix and um mp motorsport of course made really good strides last year so um they they, they probably can't be counted out either so um i'd uh, did you sort of get the the same sort of picture? You were certainly keeping a a closer eye than 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 I was on on testing. Um, what with real real world stuff going on and and everything, but um, the the indication that I I seemed to get was that um, it, it did seem like incredibly close at the top. Um, well, perhaps somewhat predictably because of, you know just how many decent cars and decent drivers and decent teams we've got in this championship. Yeah, yeah, it looks it looks fairly close at the top. Um, I think there's almost less disparity. Obviously, the Formula Two is a turbo, but there's kind of less technical disparity, you could say, in the Formula Three grid. Um, being careful with my words there. Um, there's a lot of the teams did the same strategies, as far as I'm aware, particularly on the last day and day two p.m. as well. Um, so we could actually make fairly decent kind of comparisons at least of what their pace is like at Bahrain and Trident definitely looks very strong Prima as well I think a lot of the other teams and drivers were looking at Prima and thinking they were doing a good job but also some people were playing mental games there was actually some talk of Trident actually having like a very difficult car to drive even though it was clearly very quick um, so that was I think that was a bit of like mind games going on there the other thing I would look at is how much disruption there was to the run plans due to technical failures. Uh, Enzo Trilli had, I don't know what was the initial cause of the failure, but it basically became an engine failure and the whole thing set on fire and burnt to a crisp as far as I understand. And they had to ship in a whole new tub um, for the next day. Um, so he got no mileage in like the second session and managed to just join in the next one and did like two laps or something. And then, finally could continue his test. I haven't seen any pictures on any of the photographer's websites, so I haven't seen, you know, if the car was fully done in new livery, but other drivers were saying they'd seen like a tower of smoke um, from one side of the paddock. 
and they presumed it was an F2 car, but it looks like it was actually Trilly's F3 car. We had two other cars inflicted by severe technical issues as well. So um, not an easy start to testing for at least two teams. And I think that was kind of my biggest takeaway more than lap times, seeing how kind of severe this Mechachrome issue is or, and other bits, depending who the suppliers are. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, we we have seen spectacular failures from um, this car before. Always remember Liam Lawson's um, engine spectacularly blowing up in um, in in Hungary a couple of years ago, um, which was quite something. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I I, I think that um, you, you've sort of hit the nail on the head. Really, um, again, there aren't like too many drastic differences coming into into the season the the rear tire compound is ever so slightly different but again i didn't get anything out of the team bosses at the time because it was just too early so um we should probably uh, follow up on on that um soon enough with with drivers and so forth but um yeah like i said you could you can never count out prema um and uh, uh I, I do think that art um uh, that's something that i did notice was that um Sebastian Philippe was was certainly talking up all three of his drivers' chances this year, um, which so it'll be interesting to see um, just how how well they go. Um, they they seem you know good enough in testing. Um, they they seem to be on the pace, um, but uh, it, it does seem like at this point you you are looking at very minor things that will separate um, you know performing incredibly well in this championship and performing um not quite so well so there is that um i don't think there is really sort of too much else to speak about in terms of um fia formula three um on this one so i suppose we should head over to spain where w series was in action this week um i wasn't able really to sort of keep eye on on this one at all um but I, remember, I do know that like a couple of weeks ago, I remember saying on this podcast that the, the championship does need to start feeling more like a junior single-seater championship um, going forward. Um, we've had a raft of driver announcements um, over the past few days, but it's all drivers that are coming back, all experienced drivers that are coming back for, for an additional season. So the, the early indications... I, I would not say are particularly strong on it feeling more like a, a proper fully fledged junior single seater category, which perhaps it is just me with my um, junior single seater hat on, but it doesn't seem to be giving me that impression at the moment. So um, where lap times were, were indeed available um, and Belen Garcia was, was top, it would appear. Um, so Ida, uh, what do you think we actually learned from from W Series preseason testing in Barcelona? Drum roll. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, and this is because the engineers at the circuit were struggling to learn things as well. They had restricted access to lap times, to data, generally to what was going on and on the track, which was pretty awful and ridiculous. You had people in the director's office who didn't know what was going on. People just generally at the track thought it was an absolute nightmare um, over these three days because they, well, they did a fourth day, they did like a media day and they had a press conference as well and they invited people there and they were doing talks and then as soon as the on-track stuff began, they just like cracked down on everything um, and it just became 
fairly ridiculous for the people who work at the circuit and for the people who were servicing the cars. Um, and there was, there was actually a variety of engineers and mechanics servicing the cars, names who, I won't name, you know, engineers who are possibly working in every series this year, but people who hadn't previously worked for the operating company, um, but had experience of running Formula Regional Machinery and they'd been called in, they were working with these drivers. And I think it's because a lot of them do have very good relationships with um, working with drivers of varying levels of experience. So that was good to see. Problem is several of them were messaging me going, what's going on? Like, what the lap times? How do we find out how our driver's doing? Um, you know, straight line speed stuff as well. It was getting fairly ridiculous. There were some um, other people forwarded me on kind of things that had occurred with other people who had reported on the test. And I can't really repeat what any of those things are, but it just sounded like it was a PR nightmare as well. Very fortunately, I have not been, um, you know, chased up, you could say, on reporting on what happened on track because the lap times were there. Alcamel were employed to record them as a timing service um, and their job is to provide those times and because obviously all the cars have GPS trackers to then, you know, send that data back so it can be used. Otherwise, what's the point in being there? Um, so I managed to get access to that, very thankfully. And I think a lot of people who do look at W Series, and this is one of the debates of why W Series has like a bunker mentality with this kind of thing, is people look at the lap times and go, oh, the series is not competitive at all, or oh, Chadwick's dominating too much, and this kind of argument. But when you actually look at the lap times in today, you have the top four separated by less than a tenth of a second, and they were running at different times of the day. Uh, as we were before, W Series was rotating cars, kind of. So there was only 10 cars and drivers swapped in for the first day and a half and then the next day and a half. So you had this kind of mix going on there, um, which, you know, can be a risky thing to do, but looked like it works brilliantly given how close the lap times were to each other. Um, and the less experienced drivers seemed to improve a lot as well. Wasn't too many red flags. The only big one was the big unexplained one on Wednesday, which kind of made headlines across motorsport media because they refused to explain what was happening, not only to the media, but to the people at the circuit. They presumed initially it was a crash. It was not a crash. Um, I was informed that it was a fuel issue. Now, I don't know if that was a fuel issue on track or it was a fuel issue with all cars, because generally if you're having a red flag that long and then you're not allowing anyone out afterwards, it would probably be something's been found on one car that you then need to check on all cars. But again, can't verify that because it's you know, impossible to get on the record info from um, this test, essentially. Um, the only other thing I'd say in regards to not having learned anything from testing and uh, how much of a nightmare it is to cover it is that the funding of these cars now, um, we had two crypto currency or blockchain or, you know, pulling in from different streams of this disruption in the financial markets. This is the kind of money that's going into Fund W Series now. It was very shady about its finances in season one. And I remember going to Aston and trying to interview them on this and getting nowhere on the topic. So it's kind of good to see that they are transparent, that these cars are being funded by different sponsors now. It's just a shame that they kind of put out the statement going, we're going to be all, you know, mission-led and that kind of thing, and then bring in a very energy-heavy con consum energy consumption sponsorship via crypto and using blockchains um and generally just you know like that whole market and the kind of um movements they are making with money laundering as well it's pretty embarrassing to see 
But again, it's very, very difficult to get a comment from them. And my final point, because I think everything I've said so far is legally sound and won't get me into trouble, is that they continually state that there are teams in the series. There are no teams in the series. And they've confirmed this to us on the record after requesting in 2019, 2021 and 2022. However, they're still using that in all press materials saying there are new teams and they're saying it to other media outlets and they're reporting it as that. Even though those same media outlets, their journalists have retweeted my tweet saying there are no teams. And it's this weird kind of everyone knows what's happening, but not saying it apart from former scouts and even F1 Feeder Series 1. You know, they know what's going down as well because they pushed hard on this topic and they know there's no teams. But alas, W Series controls the media narrative around its own championship. So very, very tricky task to cover compared to F2 and F3. Yes, certainly. And uh, the the problem with with uh, it is more of a fundamental issue with with things, and perhaps deserves its own own podcast and its own right, where we do just um, shout about various teams and how you know what they do right and what they do wrong and and so forth. But the problem is, is that you, if you if you can't put put people in a position where they're where, where they're able to give you know honest and unbiased reporting on on various championships and they're not really going to be able to give much coverage to it at all so um ultimately it, it, it's give and take in in a lot of ways with 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 these things so um there is that but like i say it's more of a, a fundamental issue and um certainly deserves sort of like it's its own podcast and its own right um but um i suppose sort of like um, I, well, I suppose really that's all we can say about W Series because we've we've learned literally nothing. So um, other than they had some cars out on track or for for three days of running, and they've got some snazzy new um, quote unquote teams with some snazzy new colours and and all that sort of stuff. Um, and they've confirmed a couple more drivers returning. Um, who have not moved up or sideways or over into other categories are stuck in W Series again, which is um, abs- which is frankly the, the the worst case scenario for for a junior single seater championship. Um, but again, that's uh, that's how it is. But um, I suppose that's that's all we can say about it. And it is a bit of a shorter podcast this week. Um, but like I say, there's only so much you can you can learn from testing. Um, but I think the general takeaways are that um, don't expect radical overhauls in, in pecking orders in in various championships this year um, because well, there just hasn't been too many radical changes. It's not quite the you know the same as with Formula Four, for example, where they have got a new generation um, coming in and everything. But there are, there. Are, certainly a few things that we'll be we'll be learning and digesting over the next few days um before we get into our proper pre-season um content for for formula two and formula three um including our predictions so i look forward to 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 getting that uh that ball rolling um but otherwise on on the website this week we've got plenty uh to come up um i've got a um chasing the dream season review um because season three of that came out um this week and thankfully i was not um in it so that's a bonus point for that um we've also got additional um testing analysis to come um for sure and we all have plenty of news stories and 
and reaction from um, team principals from Formula Two and Formula Three, um, where uh, which uh, consumed a couple of evenings um, this week for me. So there has been that, and um, there will probably be some interesting announcements coming next week as well from various teams and perhaps various driver academies on top. Um, but otherwise, I suppose that's it for this week. Um, so do look after yourself wherever you may be in the world. Um, do keep an eye on formulascout.com and on our socials. And I suppose we'll be back next week with, I think, a, I think it's a um, season preview podcast. So that'll be fun. So look forward to that. Goodbye. <laughs>